Hey, and welcome to the Centenary Podcast, a podcast created to help our church as well as the church grow in our faith as we all continue to follow Jesus. This week, we're having a discussion about a hard decision our church just walked through, which was disaffiliating from the United Methodist Church. In this episode, we're going to be talking about issues surrounding the disaffiliation from theological issues to social issues such as human sexuality. And as you listen, we want you to know that as a church, we believe that all people are valued and loved deeply by God. And as a church, we strive to share that same love with everybody in our community. So we hope you enjoy this conversation. Without further ado, let's hop in. Hey, James. Hey man, how's it how's it going? It's going. It's just good. It's I just good to be. I'm great. I'm doing great. Are you doing great? I'm doing good. I'm doing really good. Yeah, this week of Fourth of July week, got yeah. some, uh, got to hang out at the lake uh, for a little bit. You just got back. I just got back from vacation. A nice beach so trip, man. Yeah, yeah. It's been a little. I was bit. in I'm Florida for a little back. bit, and that's always good. I just go and veg out. Just I don't do anything. Go. So, are you more of a beach guy or a mountain guy? Well, I love both. Um, When I was younger, I was a mountain guy. Mm. And the older I get, I'm more of a beach guy. Yeah. But Natalie is definitely mountain all the way. Oh, yeah. She'd be happy if we didn't even go to the beach. Right. It's the sand. The rest of my family always liked it. So yeah. We, we head out Man, at least awesome. a couple of weeks. I'm glad to be back in the studio with you. Yeah. Um, when I know we were talking about what this next episode needed to be that we would, uh, we've been talking about Acts um, for a little bit, and then we're going to hop back on that um, and keep going with our sermon series this summer. But uh, I know you wanted and I thought it'd be good to talk about um we just disaffiliated from the Methodist church. Like what's that all about? And so why not take a few minutes yeah. to, to sit down? And uh, I wanted to, I wanted to kind of, cause I know I'm, I'm a little bit new to all of this. I mean, my background is not necessarily in a denomination. And so yeah. um, working here, being here for the last little bit, I've gotten to, experience and know all the ins and outs. And I came in to Centenary literally right as these conversations were starting. Um, And I think the first thing that I found out was that this is not just like brand new. Like this is like, I want to hear, I want to hear a little bit about um, what, how how long has this been going? What because church splits like this have happened in multiple denominations throughout history. So like how long has this been Pre-scene, like, yeah. Sure, sure. Yeah, and actually, you're closer to the heart of John Wesley than <laughs> mm. a lot of long-time So I Methodists. found out. Yeah, because, you know, he didn't he didn't start out to create a church or a denomination. Yeah. He just wanted to get people in small groups together and hold each other accountable and learn mm. about Scripture and be Jesus to each other. Wow. And, and out of that, this kind of movement exploded. But he had no intention— Wow. Of of that ever happening, he really wanted to just kind of do what we're doing right now, trying to get people focused on the Acts Church, the first century church. Yeah, that's it. And there are all kinds of you know cultural reasons why we probably won't be exactly like the Acts Church. Right. And it was a new movement itself. Oh, but sure. John Wesley's heart was that people would love each other and support each other and hold each other accountable and walk with each other and. Wow. So the denominational thing was not his plan at all. Yeah, which is which is interesting, and which is probably why 
your perspective is a good one. Yeah, no. So like, yeah, I've, I've experienced a couple years of this whole thing and I've heard that it has gone on for much longer when, cause you've been in, you've been in the Methodist church your whole tenure as a pastor, right? Yeah, I sure have. Yeah. Has that, was it going on back then? Is this yeah. like within a five year thing, a 10 year thing? What have you seen from it? Yeah. Well, I didn't, I didn't really grow up in a, in a regular church attendance mm. kind of family. So, you know, I was in church off and on over the years growing up. And um, I started attending a Methodist church when I got married. Okay. And I had struggled with, a few years before with a call to ministry and because I got more involved as I got older. Mm. And I really felt like I was calling me to ministry, but I didn't have a real framework for that. Mm. And uh, I just... I just started working and yeah. started my career and I got out of college and that that calling just kind of never went away. And so I was in the United Methodist Church when I started really seriously praying about answering my call. And wow. I had a pastor at the time who took me to lunch and said, hey, because uh, I didn't tell anybody about my struggle, except Natalie. Natalie knew a little bit about it. Um, but at lunch, this pastor said, you know, everybody seems to know that you're called to ministry except for you. Mm. What are you going to do about it? Wow. And that oh, literally man. started me on this prayer thing where I said, God, what do you want from me? Because I thought my wow. whole life was set. You know, yep. I had a great job, worked with a great company in South Carolina. We had our dream house. We thought, okay, we're here. And we were attending we actually we got married in a large methodist church and were a part of a large methodist church when we first got married but then we after we'd been there a year we went with a group of people to help start a new church plant hmm. and so we planted a church after oh, wow. that a united methodist church which is a real thriving church today it's a great church in south carolina and so when i was a young guy in the United Methodist Church, I kept hearing the rumblings of theological issues that mm. were being batted back and forth within so. our denomination. But I was most—I was like most people in the pew. I didn't really know what that meant. I just mm. knew that I really enjoyed being in this church on Sunday, and yeah. Natalie and I were involved. I was actually a lay leader in that church at the time, and so I'd hear those conversations, but I didn't know a lot. But it's. I started to get interested in in what those what those conversations were, and I found out that going back that this is another thing that most people don't know. The United Methodist Church is really a baby when it comes hmm. to denominations. It, it started in 1968. Um, oh wow! Where the Methodist the Methodist Church at the time came together with the United Brethren Church. They put those two denominations together in 1968 and called it the United Methodist Church. Interesting. And so it was well, that I did not know. Yeah, and and so we we've been what 54, 55 years hmm. uh, a denomination, and uh, we were, you know, pretty evangelical in in our beliefs. Yeah. John Wesley was definitely more of what's now termed a traditionalist, wow. um, someone who really believed that that scriptural authority was very important and could yeah. be even a bedrock of our faith. And uh, over time, as society changed, 
um, the United Methodist Church started to toy its leadership, its bishops, um, its clergy started to toy with, well, maybe the Bible could have meant this, and maybe it really didn't mean mm. this. And and it started with some small kinds of conversations, but in 1972, there was a general conference held for the United Methodist Church, and that was the first time that homosexuality was lifted up. Okay. And a debate started about whether or not it was right to um, have gay clergy, practicing gay clergy, be ordained hmm. in the United Methodist Church. Huh. Because gay marriage wasn't wasn't legal right back then, yeah. so that wasn't really an, uh, an issue. But it started out as a conversation about um, active clergy who were who were gay, hmm. and we didn't have LGBTQ and all those terms, you know, back then either. So um, there was a debate that went back and forth about it, yeah. and uh, every every time the general conference met over the years, that issue would come up. And uh, one year, they put an actual sentence in the Book of Discipline that said, though the United Methodist Church believes that all people are people of sacred worth, we believe that the practice of homosexuality is incompatible with Christian teaching. Mm. Well, that's a true statement. Yeah. And I, that's what I've that's how I've always explained that statement because ever since the seventies when that went into the Book of Discipline, it has been controversial, yeah. and there have been groups within the United Methodist Church to try to have that sentence removed hmm. from the Book of Discipline. And what I always told people as they talked to me about it as a United Methodist pastor was that's a true statement. Yeah. I mean, you you can say that the Bible's been misinterpreted. You can say, well, I believe that we dropped that thing in there in 1946 because that's when the word homosexual became a word. Mm. Um, that Jesus never talked about homosexuality, which he did, actually, he did. when he talked about oh, marriage. He, too. Yeah. he was very clear on that. And he actually talked about male and female mm. in, in, in the marriage um, relationship. And, and so... That was a true statement. You could say you could say I don't agree with it. I don't like it. Mm. It shouldn't be there. It's been misinterpreted. You have the right to say all those things. Yeah. But the fact is, it's a true statement that if you study Scripture as we understand it, right. in the Old Testament and the New Testament, the practice of homosexuality is incompatible with Absolutely. Christian teaching. Now, let me say that people who are gay or LGBTQ are not incompatible mm. there. You know, we all have things that yeah. we deal with in this Absolutely. life. God loves all people. And uh, that sometimes is kind of thrown out as what well, you're saying. Those people are incompatible with God. No, that's not, mm, not at the all. practice of same sex intimacy is incompatible with Christian teaching. Yeah. According to scripture. Yeah. Whether you agree with it or not, it's a true statement. So, that question has grown over the years. Hmm. And then I think it was 2016 when the Supreme Court ruled that that gay marriage would be legalized and there could be no discrimination right. in that in the United States. We saw that also kick up in the church, that conversation right. kicked up yeah. in the church. And, uh, and, and kind of what I would call interest groups began to form within the United Methodist Church to – make a bigger push to have that 
wording change gotcha. in our book of discipline, which is a book that has all of our polity in it, all gotcha. of our the articles of religion, everything yeah. that we believe, we refer right. to scripture first, but okay. also the book of discipline exactly. helps guide us as a denomination. Yeah. So that's that's when it all occurred. And it, okay. so we've been having this conversation since the early 1970s, which a lot of people don't know, yeah. but our general conference, and if you were a delegate in the United Methodist Church, and I was a delegate to the general conference, and that was a time that happened every four years because the United Methodist Church is a global church. Mm-hmm. It's just not a, a North American church. It's a global church. So delegates from all across the world would come together every four years and talk about the business of the denomination. And every at every single one of those meetings, the delegates would vote to, to change that wording or to take that wording out. Hmm. And it was always voted down Okay, for, you know, 54 years. It's right. been voted down every time, including 2019, which was our hmm. last general conference in 2019 in St. Louis. I was actually there. Oh, wow. It came up again. Yep. It was voted down again. Yeah. But 2016 had happened with the Supreme Court, and so folks in the church who were vehemently opposed to that wording said, hey, even America says it's okay. How can mm. we keep people from getting married? Yeah. And uh, it's and then the, the conversation about whether the church is going to change us or society is going to change the church started, yeah. which if you remember, Paul actually – spoke about that so that's an old that's yeah. an old problem oh absolutely uh, the church from almost the beginning struggled with letting yeah. society change it instead of the other way around absolutely so that's what's gotten us to this point wow yeah i'm i'm glad you you hit on all that cuz that there's there's a lot of from what i've seen um which is it's it's kind of interesting, especially this conversation, because it's like you've been in this, you've seen um, how it's evolved, you've seen it, and me coming in with more of a fresh eye and a different perspective as well. I've seen like there's a couple different um, category of issues that are happening, and some of them go into societal stuff as well. Like that, for example, like how do you engage um leadership in the church with people who would say they're in the gay community. Um, so that's from the social side of things because you've got the political side of legalizing, um, and making, um, gay marriage, uh, like a legal thing. That's, that's a social and a political issue. And you start to see, and that's always been, I think the history of the, the church and state, right? That's how our country is formed. Like church and state are two separate things. And, um, and so that's one side of things that has been talked about a ton. And I've heard a lot is that the social side of, um, that community and how that, how the church, the United Methodist has engaged in, um, both of those areas. Uh, and then there's this other, other side too that is kind of under the roots um, that while the social side seems to take the spotlight there's uh, some other issues that are going on which is really interesting because the church American culture right now is so fluid. I mean, it's like we're trend heavy. Yeah. We want to get on the next best thing and we want to take freedom to its absolute limits. And no matter what, we're the land of the free. I mean, we just celebrated, right? We're the land yeah. of the free. We can do whatever we are. We are, uh, you take woke theology, for example. Woke theology is basically saying that we as Americans have full jurisdiction to have, you know, 300 million different truths, which happen to be the 
all all of them are right. Like right. Yeah. the the individual can govern how the world is supposed to work, and not only govern, but which is another yeah. old conversation. Absolutely, because Pilate, when he was talking to Jesus, he was like, "Hey, man, what is truth? What, what really, is truth anyway? What really is so truth? That, none of this is new. Exactly. Is new. And so, it's just interesting because the church gets criticism for for things like this from the cultural and social side of things. But it's, if the church wasn't going to stand on its beliefs, then what in the world would the church be for? And so you get this separate group of problems that I want to hear what you have to say on them, which is what are the, from what I'm hearing, there's some theological things that people, so it's not only, Hey, we want the church to act this way, but now this cultural shift has been taken into a belief and a theological standpoint um, that we've seen that I've I've heard around the last couple of years of like uh, stuff in the Apostles' Creed that things right. like, do we really need to, you know, believe that Jesus has this divine side or the virgin birth? Like, a mirac- like what are the things that like is yeah. not being as talked about, but in my opinion, right? It's like, if we're not going to stand on anything, then why even have the church around? And so what are the, what are kind of like the theological things that you've seen that aren't being? Yeah, it's, it's really, it, what makes this really complex, which really this makes this discussion, it's almost a perfect storm Mm. because the theological pieces that get mixed in here are the real issue. In my opinion, the real problem for the United Methodist Church was not human sexuality. Yeah. We are we are sexual beings. God yeah. created us to Absolutely. be sexual beings. In the created order, um, our sexuality is important. God uses it um, for his purposes. That's why he – but he also made it very pleasurable because he's a good God. But yeah. it's, it, it's like everything. When God gives us something, we talked about this a couple of podcasts ago. When God gives us something, a lot of times he'll put parameters around it. The first parameter was happened in the Garden of Eden. Yep. He said, you can have everything. I'm going to take care of you. You're never going to have to worry about one thing. Just don't touch that tree. Yeah. The only parameter is you just can't touch that tree. Everything else, I mean, this beautiful, beautiful place belongs to you. And you'll have your needs met forever. Yeah. And so – Human beings being human beings, we take the gifts that God gives us and we say, hey, I got a better idea for this gift. Yep. I could actually use it this way. Yeah. And uh, that's never, that's never, ever going to lead us yep. to anything good. So now, again, I want to say, especially for people that are listening to this podcast, we are speaking from the standpoint of Christianity. Yeah. And that's another one of the issues, Spencer, and you've kind of hit on it, is the church, one of the problems that happened is we began to have this conversation like the world has it. Mm. And uh, if you are sitting in an educational environment or, um, you know, medical environment or some kind of, you know, socioeconomic kind of uh, debate, Hmm. you can talk about sexuality in different ways at different levels. But as soon as you enter into the church and what's appropriate out of Scripture, Hmm. which we believe is the basis for all we do. Absolutely. um, 
it becomes a deeper conversation about what's right and what's not Mm. and what's holy and what's not. Because every conversation you have about God, it always is going to come back to holiness because he's a holy God. Absolutely. And that's why he gives us the parameters to, to make sure that his created order is holy and that ultimately we are holy. Yeah. Because Jesus said, you know, be holy as I'm holy. Yeah. And and so that's that's the first thing that you have to understand as we start this conversation. That I'm not the president of the Kiwanis Club yeah. or the Civitans yeah. or the Lions Club. You know, I'm not coming at this from being a professor at the University of Kentucky right. or at, you know, the theological school at any of our thirteen seminaries in the United Methodist Church. Yeah. Like we have some of the largest um, universities in America are United Methodist. People don't even know that. Oh, Duke wow. is a Methodist school. Oh, and wow. University is a Methodist school. Vanderbilt is a United Methodist school. Huh. SMU is a – and they all have divinity schools that have gone down a different road that doesn't align with Scripture mm. in lots of theological issues, including human sexuality, yeah. which is one of the problems that we have is we're turning out – people that go to seminary with these, what I think are bogus teachings around lots of uh, pieces of theology, not just human sexuality. And so what I want to say as we, as we have this conversation is, you know, I'm a preacher. Yeah. You're a preacher. Yeah. We lead churches and we lead churches that are, that function around scripture. That's it. Do we get it all right? No. No. Do we always follow scripture the way it needs to be followed? We don't nope. because we're fallible human beings That's on it. this divine path and we're doing the very best we can. <laughs> That's exactly so right. So <laughs> as I start to talk about this, I'm talking about it from the standpoint of scripture and theology and the way that I understand yeah. the word of God. And so what happens is, is that when we begin to, to cross over and uh, we try to have these conversations like um, the world would have these conversations Already, you're starting at the wrong place. Hmm. And so that's why we're we're kind of at this point where Centenary is right now, where we've said, okay, we've, we've tried to have this conversation for a lot of years, and we believe now that we can do this better at the local church level than staying under the umbrella yeah. of a denomination. Yeah. Because the fact is... Um, and and you, if you've been listening this far to this podcast, you kind of probably know where my theology is around human sexuality. I believe that God created us, yeah. uh, man and woman. Yeah. And I don't believe that our genders, uh, it's, it, I don't believe our genders change. I don't yep. think that, you know, God created us to have sex with each other. He created men and women to be in a marriage relationship. Yeah. And to to have sexual intimacy only within those bounds. Yep. So that's what I believe. Yeah. And and as a pastor, I began to see and so did our leadership. I began to see that our denomination, they were really starting to struggle with that belief. And it confused me because I became a pastor. And when I had my vows of ordination in the Methodist Church, I made a vow that I would teach scripture the way it was presented in God's word. And I saw a deviation from that over the years. I've been in ministry 30 years. And 
and really in the past five to seven years, it's become a, a larger conversation and even more accepted in our in the United Methodist Church to teach something that's outside of that understanding. And we began to talk like the world talks about it. Yeah. And and so that's that's what brought us to this to this point where we had to make a decision. Yeah. And and I think that a lot of folks kind of look at us and look at other churches and they say, Hey, you know, how to you just you just made this quick decision. I mean, these people struggle. The fact is we know that that there's a struggle out there. Yeah. Because we have people in the LGBTQ community who are in our church, yeah. who are in our congregation. Yeah. And and we love everyone in our congregation. We walk with everyone that's a part of Centenary. Hmm. And the interesting thing is, even when we made this decision to walk away from the denomination based on these theological mistakes, is yeah. what I'll call them, um, many of those folks in the LGBTQ community stayed at Centenary because they love this church and mm-hmm. they know they are loved here. Yeah. And though we may disagree on some theological points, as a congregation, we function as a family. Yeah. And in families, there are lots of disagreements. Yeah. But you love each other through those That's things. It. And so we felt like we could do that better as a as a local church than to let all that come down from the top in denominations. I, I describe the United Methodist Church, Spencer, like a mobile over a baby's bed. Because mm. we're, we're connectional. So if you touch one of those little hangy things on that mobile, the whole thing moves. Yeah. And that's what was happening. Our witness at Centenary was beginning to be affected by the negativity and I believe the 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 really theological mistakes that were being pushed to the the surface in our denomination. Yeah. And so did our leadership. Yeah. And so they made this decision, which wasn't an easy one. Yeah. No. I mean, by no means. And I saw, I saw the meetings and it was a part of conversations where it was just toilsome. Like what, what does God want? Are we being faithful? Are we not being faithful? I mean, even the conversations of like, do we leave? Do we stay and try and, uh, do we stay in the denomination and try and, um, stand up for the truth we believe inside? Do we stand up outside? And, And by no means was it this like, Hey, let's pick a yes or no out of a hat and go with whatever we got. No, I mean, there was so much prayer and just witnessing all of that was just so cool. Um, and I think it was one of the best in, in my life so far that I've seen a group of people just desperately want to to know God's will on this Absolutely. and yeah. um, watch how the spirit um, was just so heavy and a lot of rooms and a lot of conversations and just to see people's hearts and minds even change um, from here's all the different stimulus and all the different options that are out there that are constantly fighting for do this, do this, do this, think this, think this, think this, and to watch a group of people um, really come into a point where it was just like, there's peace, there's this assurance that we don't know what the future holds, but we know that we're following God. And uh, the, the old phrase that, kind of to tie this whole bow that just kept coming to mind was like, if you, if you stand for nothing, you'll fall for everything. And this whole thing wasn't a stance on human sexuality. It wasn't a stance on where we decide to be at in terms of the local church hierarchy or belief or you name it. It was just, 
man, our church and our leadership was just standing for one thing of what we truly believe the scriptures talk about that God created the universe with. And theologically, um, you've got those issues of like, was Jesus divine? Do we need to catch the Bible up to culture and things like that? Or even human sexuality where, I mean, basing an action or a attraction preference uh, on who somebody is, is we, we don't, we don't believe that what sexually you can engage in is who you are. And we believe that everybody's a person of worth and everybody's worthy to be loved by God. And he's calling people, anybody, everybody in all of our own messes, whether it is, you know, struggling with, um, uh, being married uh, to one person, uh, polygamy, um, uh, anger, uh, depression, anxiety, homosexuality, you name it, is yeah. all of us deal with perversions of how God created us That's right. and how Satan has wrapped our minds to, to convince us, you know how to do the world best. And our church is taking a stance and just saying, man, we believe that God created the world and us, and we're going to try to the best of our abilities, not to follow the list of rules he left, but to listen to him. And it's just been really, really cool to see that. And to know that, and to know that the grace of God is so big, Mm. it's so big. And we all have these things. We all have these proclivities. We all have these desires um, that don't coincide with with God's creation. They yeah. just don't. What he meant for us, man, sometimes it just feels a lot better to do it my way and not God's Amen. way. And, and so you make a really good point here because what happened at those general conference sessions that I was talking about earlier, in 2016, a real line was drawn in the sand. Mm. And there was a paragraph that was dropped into our book of discipline. And... Uh, it was paragraph 2553, and if anybody's been following this, they've heard that uh, ad nauseum. And it basically said, hey, we're never going to agree on this. Yeah. Um, so if, if for reasons of conscience, your congregation needs to leave the denomination, they can do that and take their properties with them because the denomination owns property, and yeah. we own a lot of property here at Centenary, very expensive mm. properties. And yeah. so that became a really big conversation for us. And that paragraph said, you can leave if you need to leave, but you have to leave by December 31, 2023. Okay. If you don't leave before that, then you can still leave, you can still disaffiliate, but you'll have to pay for all of your property. Mm. So there was that short window of time yeah. where you could leave the denomination and take your property with you. Yeah. And so it became for all these churches that folks are hearing about disaffiliated, you know, over half of the churches in Kentucky disaffiliated yeah. out of the United Methodist Church. And so the reason that they did it so quickly is because that was kind of uh, there was a line drawn right. saying at 2016 general conference they said okay fine if you need to leave and take your property that's great but you got to do it by the end of 2023 wow so that's why this rush kind of started yeah. of all this and that's why it's become the big media yeah you know thing that it's become unfortunately but really we made a decision not to push against 
um, LGBTQ, mm. we made a decision to do what we've done here for over a century That's at it. Centenary, and that is to stand on the Word of God, to live out the Word of God in the best way that we know how, yep. and at the same time, love people, walk with people who disagree with each other, and sit beside each other and love each other and worship in this place and learn more how to be like Jesus. Mm. That's what we've been doing for over a century at Centenary, and that hasn't changed. Mm-mm. We're still doing that very same thing, exactly even right. though we've left the United Methodist and Church. And we'll continue to do that. And we'll continue to do that. As a matter of fact, I'm thinking that we're even doing it better Yeah, because we were so inundated with this conversation. Hmm. It, it had become this almost wet blanket over the church in some wow. ways because we were being affected by a lot of things that were happening in the denomination that people were hearing about in media and other ways. And we're thinking, hey, we're, you know, at Centenary, we're doing okay. We're, we're yeah. growing. People are getting baptized. We we love each other here. We have really healthy relationships with one another. Um, you know, that doesn't have anything to do with us, but yet we were kind of guilty by association because yeah. we were a part of this denominational structure. And our leadership decided that we can we can do this better than the denomination can do it. Hmm. And actually, we are <laughs> we're yeah. doing it better, and and it's a good thing. It's a yeah. good thing. And the United Meth- there are many good things about the United Methodist Church Absolutely. because that's the other piece of this is that the United Methodist Church represents Christ in so many ways around the world every single day, yeah. which makes it even sadder for me that this has become yeah. the, the center point of the conversation yeah. about a denomination that God has used so well exactly. over the years. It's been decimated in some ways. Yeah. But at the same time, I think that you know my prayer is that God will still use that mm-hmm. United Methodist Church to do good things in yep. the world. But right now, Centenary has decided that we can do that without a denominational yep. structure on top of us telling us how to move and how to work yeah. and supporting that with our dollars yeah. even. So that's that's really what – that's the decision that we made. Mm. Um, you know, what you'll hear from people who disagree with us is, oh, they don't like gay people. Mm-hmm. So they left, they left the denomination because they don't like gay people. Well, I can prove to you, if you want to spend a day with me here at Centenary, I can actually prove to you that that's, that's wrong. Yeah. Um, I can introduce you to people that will show you. Uh, I can introduce you to people in the LGBTQ community who can tell you that that's not true, hmm. that yeah. we have a community here of people who don't always agree with one another, that's exactly right. but we love each other, Absolutely. even in the midst of our disagreement. And the bottom line is, is that we want people to trust Christ. We want to get Christ into the hearts of people. We want to see people baptized into this faith because we believe that one day Jesus is going to return and uh, I want to, I want to live with him the rest of my life. And that's what I want to focus on as the pastor of Centenary. And so I'm able to do that a little better than I was before because I had all these other things kind of looming, looming over me. So I I love the way you explain that because you're exactly right. Hmm. You know, we didn't take a stance against anything. Nope. We said we're for this. We're exactly for right. Scripture. We're for the cause of Christ. That's right. And we want to love people and walk with people no matter what's in their life. Yep. And we can do that in a really good way yeah. if we make this decision. So yeah. 93% of this congregation voted that we leave 
the United Methodist Church, which was mm-hmm. one of the hardest things that I've ever been a part of. Right. But I also know that it was it was what God would have us do. Yeah. And that implies all kinds of things, and we can debate. And you know, some of the things that you'll hear when I talk about that we're gonna we're gonna follow Scripture mm-hmm. is they're gonna say, "Okay, well, are you gonna eat lobster, James? Are you gonna eat <laughs> shrimp? Right. You know, are you gonna dash the baby's heads against the stone like yeah. they did in the? You <laughs> oh know, yeah. Are you are you gonna you know? They uh, they, they name all these things and yeah. uh, and. And to those, I'll say, no, uh, you know, yeah, I probably am going to eat lobster because I really love lobster. So <laughs> I am going to do that. But that doesn't coincide with right. the issue of human sexuality. Right. You know, I think it's so interesting. And, and you don't hear this talked about a lot because it really blows all that bad theology out of the water. God started started this whole thing with marriage. Mm. In Genesis, and he ends this whole thing with the the marriage yep. um, idea, and he says, "You know, I'm the bridegroom, and the church is my bride." That's it. And that implies some things. And and when Jesus was uh, faced with marriage in the New Testament, he also said, "Marriage is when a man and a woman come together." He actually doubled down on that. He didn't have to say that. He could have said, well, when two people come together, that's marriage. Mm -hmm. He said, when a man and woman come together, that's marriage. And so we're continuing in that, what God's taught us in these ancient, ancient words that are just as pertinent in the 21st century as they were in the first century church. And so um, I'm very comfortable with why we left. I, the, yeah. the title of this podcast is kind of ominous in some yeah. ways, you know, why we left. Why we left, yeah. But we actually, you know, didn't leave any person. Mm. We left what we understood to be theology yeah. that is not is not in alignment with Scripture. That's what we left. Yeah. Um, but we, we're the same church that we've been for over a century and and i'm proud of that i'm excited about that and i i actually see god working in the midst of that not only in the church that we have here and in this community but even in the lgbtq community i'm seeing how god is using that right now as we start conversations with people that we love that i love that i want to continue to be in relationship with. And I think that's a really beautiful thing. I do too. Yeah, man. Well, gosh, uh, this is like the exact, I mean, this conversation is exactly what uh, I wanted and would love to keep having as we unpack faith and things like that, because we can't grow if it's just this issue. And I'm glad we got to talk about it, that it's this issue that we sweep under the rug and everything. It's just like, no, like there's tough conversations that need to be had in life. And this really tough, this episode is just one of those where it's just like, we don't want to, we don't want to refrain out of fear from not talking about things because it's through questions and it's through things like this that we grow and who knows Absolutely. how God's going to use even this conversation. Between yeah. Us. And thanks yeah. for saying that it's not an issue because we're talking about people. Yeah. When I think of the LGBTQ plus community, that that represents in my mind an array mm. of different people with different lives who've had different experiences, yep. who have 
lived out their sexual identity in different ways for different reasons. They all have different life experiences. Um, it's a really, like I said in the beginning of our time today, it's a complex issue. Mm. It's so complex. We're not talking about bad people versus good people here. We're talking about the fact that we as human beings deal with complexities because we're complex. And the sin nature that came into the world in the Garden of Eden actually made it even more complex. And we still deal with those issues today. So these aren't issues. These are people. And, and I, I, I want to make that clear because I've had this conversation with some people lately, especially in our leadership. One of the things that I really struggle with, and I'm just going to I'm just going to put it out there mm-hmm. and it may be controversial, but it's it's my belief. And I've spent a lot of years talking about this. I also you know, have people who are very, very important to me, mm-hmm. who I have deep personal relationships with in the LGBTQ community. And so I think I can say this with good authority that that what I'm angry about in, in really all of this whole thing, there's a lot of stuff to worry about and get upset about in the whole thing. And that would take 10 podcasts. But yeah, but what what upsets me most is, is that a group of people, the LGBTQIA plus community has been objectified and reduced reduced, in my opinion, by the progressive movement in the church Hmm. to being a a political football. Mm -hmm. They are being used as a group to to press and push political agendas in the world. And and that's what angers me is that, Mm. you know, when I look at the LGBTQIA plus community, I see faces I see souls. This is not, you know, some political kind of agenda thing for me. You know, I've sat across the in my office and 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 talked to people, just the two of us, people who have been through a lot of things because they're in the LGBTQ community and who who need Jesus. They need someone to sit with them and love them and pray for them and say, hey, you know what? Whatever you do when you walk out of this church, yep. I love you, yeah. and I'm going to walk with you no matter what happens. Yeah. But here's how I understand the faith. Mm. Here's how I understand Scripture. And we're talking about people. We're not talking about you know this agenda. And and so we've objectified these folks in so many ways, and that drives me nuts. Yeah. And that's the one thing that I will not allow to happen yep. as the lead pastor of Centenary yeah. is that um, we're going we're gonna to walk this out with people because we're human beings who yeah. love one another, but mainly we're souls Absolutely. in need of a Savior. And that's, that goes across the board for anything that our lives are not making sense and, and, and chasing. It's like all of us Every single person needs the life that God gives. Absolutely. And every single person has the opportunity to gain the life that God lives, whether you're a nationality, an ethnicity, an ethnicity, a race, what, what mistakes, what sexual attraction. There is so much in this life that has been skewed since day one of the earth being created and human beings created. Yes. And the message of God is that you need spiritual life and everyone 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 has the opportunity and that's what that's what we're chasing and yeah. that's what we believe we're being used as a church church leaders to give and to invite people into so man 
this is great. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for yeah, another just great conversation, man. It is. And and I know when I sit down and and you know this too, when we sit down and do a podcast like this, there's gonna be an array of reactions yep. to it. And Absolutely. there are gonna people be people who vehemently disagree with us, and there are gonna be people that totally agree with us. They're going to be people who say, hey, you guys didn't go far enough even. Mm-hmm, and yeah. so it's like you can't win in these kinds no. of conversations. All I can say is at the end of the day, I don't have all the answers. Right. I don't have all the answers, but I know that I want to love people like Jesus loved people yeah. no matter what yeah. is in their life. Absolutely. I want to love people because I know my own struggles and I know that people have loved me in spite of those struggles. And there have been lots of times in my life when I didn't act like or talk like a Christian, much less a Christian leader. Yeah, man. And so that scares me to death when I think about the chair that I sit in here at Centenary. But there are people who look at me and say, you know what, James, you can be a real jerk sometimes, but I love you anyway. Mm. And I want to walk life with you because you're worth it. Yeah. You're not you're not the things that you struggle with. Yep. Your identity is in Christ. That's exactly right. And and that's what I want to share with other people because I've been the recipient of that. Yeah, man. Man, that's so good. Well, um, if you're listening and you, you like this conversation, um, man, we are so glad to have you. And there's plenty more to come as we, as a church and uh, as leaders, as James and I keep walking through how to follow this life of faith even more. And this is just one example of not shying away from real life. I mean, we're talking about very real things that we're exposed to in our world and our culture and our daily lives. And so uh, we want yes, to talk about yes, it. So, yes. Yeah. You know what? I would, I really, I long to live in a world that's like, leave it to Beaver <laughs> and Ozzy and Harriet and Father Knows Best and the Brady Bunch. I love all those shows. I told you last time that I could sing all the theme songs of those shows. <laughs> I would love to live in that world, but uh, it ain't going to happen. This thing's messy. That's why we need Jesus. Well, whoever's listening, uh, James, I love you. And we want you to know our church, Christ. I mean, we just love you. And we want to see real spiritual Jesus life take over the world. And so uh, we will see you um, in a podcast coming soon next week or so. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. (laughs) God bless you. Have a great day. Well, thanks for tuning in to the Centenary Podcast, and we'll see you back here for the next episode.